Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, November 1st, which means today's discussion is a host of football and gambling topics, which will culminate in a discussion around the upcoming Week 9 DFS slate and the best spend-up options. Before we get to that good stuff, like we always do on the Tuesday pod... I feel like it's been a while since I've done a Tuesday pod. We need to recap week eight, and it was dominant. It was back to our winning ways. It was throwing week seven in the trash, not worrying about what went wrong because the gambling theory, the logic, the getting ahead of CLV and all the right plays were there. The results just didn't you know, come to fruition. In week seven, I think I had nine bets that I was seven and two in my plus CLV, but I went two and seven in real life. That changed this week. Back to our winning ways, like I said. Record in gambling was 6-1 this week for plus 4.35 units. And in the DFS space, I went 5-for-5 in my lineups, won $180, and finished top 5% in the tournaments. The core absolutely crushed this week. Tua and Tyreek were core. Olave held his own down. And I told you guys that Tony Pollard and Kamara were in every single DFS optimizer lineup that I checked, but I was not playing them. So you're thinking, wait, you won without playing Tony Pollard or Kamara, and you still finished top five in a DFS tournament? What the hell happened? I pivoted to Derrick Henry and Deontay Foreman. I gave a lot of hints throughout the week that those were the two guys that I liked a lot. I said, if Chuba is out, Foreman is an absolute must start. And I said, Derrick Henry's matchup was a dream, and that dream came true. So, big week for me, and I assume anyone who listened and played along also won a lot in both the gambling and the DFS space. Let's keep that ball rolling, and let's start the Tuesday gambling lesson. We always do a gambling lesson on the Tuesday pod. I've been asking for some questions on Twitter as to what you want to learn in the gambling space. And I got a great, great question this week. So before I get into it, if you have a gambling question, please reach out to me on Twitter at mfiddle14. Let me know what you are wondering, and I will give you guys a good breakdown on next Tuesday's pod. I am kind of running out of ideas for what do you guys need to learn, because obviously I kind of already know all this stuff, so I don't know what to give you that you guys don't know. So if you could help me out, I would like to help you out and simply let me know what questions you have so I can answer them. The question I got this week is, when do you take a money line versus the spread? The question, I'll just give you guys the exact wording. It said, I've seen you take a money line bet at minus 3.5 in one instance, and another time you just played the spread at minus 3.5. How do you decide whether to bet the spread or the money line? This is an absolutely fantastic question. It actually comes with a pretty simple and pretty straightforward answer, and it's based off of line movement and key numbers, the things I am always talking about. Here's the basic premise. If a line crosses through a key number and I miss getting the spread at the key number that it crosses, then I'd rather have the money line. If the spread moves but does not cross a key number, I'll play the spread. It doesn't really matter what the numbers are. 
or what the spread is. It matters what they are in relation to the line movement and the nearest key number. The reason for this is because games that are priced at a key number are 4% more likely to land right at that spot. So our guy asked, I've seen you take a money line at minus 3.5 and I've seen you take a spread at minus 3.5. What gives? Here it is, Greg. If a line opens at minus 2.5 and moves to minus 3.5, that's the situation where I'd rather take the money line because it moved through the three and I miss getting that key number. We know in the NFL, roughly 15% of games finish at the three and there's an added 4% likelihood because the game is priced there, not at six or seven or 11 and a half like this Chiefs-Titans game in some other spots. So if the game is priced between two and a half and three, it's got its 15% chance of landing there because every NFL game has a 15% chance and then added 4% because of where it's priced. So about a 19% chance that said game, if the line opened at 2.5 and closed at 3.5, would land at three. In those instances, if I'm missing the key number of the three, if I didn't get the 2.5, if I didn't get the three, I will take the money line in that spot instead of the 3.5. Now, the flip side, if a line opens at 3.5 and it stays there and I'm anticipating it moving to minus four or more, then I'm willing to play the spread and just take the minus 3.5. Because in this scenario, when the line movement is said and done, that added 4% likelihood that it falls between the 2.5 and 3.5 in the last scenario is now between the 3.5 and, and wherever this line ends up, 4.5, and 5.5, and, and whatever. So because you don't have a key number in there and you don't have the added 15% bonus of it falling in that spot because of we know the key numbers and the likely outcomes of NFL games, the math is drastically different. And for those reasons, we could just play the spread at 3.5 instead of the money line if the numbers are moving between 3.5 and 4.5 instead of between 2.5 and 3.5. I hope that makes sense. I bet the spread when no key numbers have been crossed. I bet the money line if the line movement has pushed the line through a key number. I think that should be pretty straightforward. This is true for both NFL and NBA. We talk about key numbers all the time for football, so you should know those by now. In basketball, 6.5 is the biggest key number. I will do a lot more NBA gambling talk when the NFL season ends, and this podcast hour is freed up to discuss some hoops. But until then, just know that when the spread crosses over to seven, that's when I play money lines. Actually, here's actually a perfect example. Last night, I played the Nets at minus eight. It was a spread bet. I just played it as is. The line opened at eight and I played it. If this line opened at six and moved to seven, if this line opened at six and a half and moved to seven, if it crossed the six and a half line, then I'm playing the money line. So Nets minus eight, that's where the line opens. That's where I'm getting it. I'm going to play the spread. If that line opened at Nets minus six and moved to Nets minus seven, I would have played the money line. I hope, I really hope that makes sense. Okay, let's get back to football a little bit and let's track this week's line movement and then we will start to discuss the spend up options on the upcoming week nine DFS slate. 
I'm going to really go through the games. Instead of going through every single one, I'm just going to go through the ones that have had line movement and action in them. Uh, if I don't mention a game that you're asking me about, it's because nothing has moved since the open in the lines that I track. And therefore, I have no indicators on where to play or where to put action or where the action should be. So, Eagles versus Texans for Thursday night. The action here is towards the over. This line opened at 43. It's now at 44 and a half. We know 44 is a super key number for NFL totals. So, this line is sharp towards the over. I took a bet on the under 43, and I've since lost such CLV. It's at 44 and a half and juice towards the over that I cannot sell out of that ticket. It is locked. So I'm going to have to just ride with that one. It was a bad bet that I made, hoping for the under 43 in this Eagles-Texans game. But if you are betting this from a blank slate right now, over is the right bet. And there's money coming in on the Eagles. This line moved from a minus 13 to a minus 13.5. Uh Scary, scary stuff to be backing that big of a spread always in football. But that's where the money is. Uh, For Colts-Patriots, this line opened at Patriots minus 6. It's down to Patriots minus 5.5. So we are seeing some Colts money come in. The total has not moved at all. For Buffalo versus New York, Jets, absolutely no movement. We could skip it. Dolphins opened at a minus 4.5. I took it, so I'm on Dolphins minus 4.5. It has moved to Dolphins minus 5, so we are seeing some Finns money come on in. Let me see where that... The total has not moved. Stayed at 43.5, which I think is fairly low. I would lean over, in a sense. The odds are slightly juiced towards the over, so it hasn't moved, but the odds have changed. So now you're paying bigger juice to take the over. Again, because this line is priced at 43 and a half, and I just said 44 is a key number, the reason why the odds are changing before the line shifts is because if that line were to shift to 44, that's a huge change. 43 and a half to 44, much bigger change than from 45 to 45 and a half or from 45 and a half to 46. Because of the key numbers, the half a point makes a drastic difference. So they're changing the odds instead of changing the number. That makes a lot of sense. When you dive a little deeper and look at it, Um, this Packers-Lions line is moving all over the place. It was the look-ahead line was Lions plus 3.5. Packers just really don't look good. Uh, Laid another – they covered the spread, but they laid another stinker against the Bills. They were never in it. I mean, even from, like, the first two drives, they were just out of that game. Uh, It's still at a 3.5. It moved back to a uh, Packers minus 3.5, Lions plus 3.5. So I guess we saw some early money come in on the Lions and then some Packers groups get in when it was at minus three. This game is in Detroit. We know the Lions play well when they're at home. I am on the Lions plus 3.5. That was a look-ahead bet that me and Willie gave out last week was Jaguars and Lions for week nine. So Lions plus 3.5 is a bet that I'm on. Vikings versus Commanders. This line opened at Vikings minus three. It is now at Vikings minus three and a half. I am on the money line here. Vikings money line. This is a perfect example where I missed the movement from three to three and a half. And therefore, it is a money line play. Vikings money line is the right bet. Uh, Panthers money has come in. And we're also seeing, sorry, Vikings commanders. We're also seeing movement towards the under. Lions Packers, we are seeing no movement in the total. Panthers, Bengals, 
We are seeing money come in on the Panthers after that horrible Monday night showing from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I am not going to back the Panthers right now because of how deflating that loss was. They might just come out and lay an absolute stinker this week because they're just so defeated. They had a chance at first place and they just missed kicks. <laughs> they would be in first place in their division and I'd be slamming the plus seven and a half, being like, this team is motivated and ready to go. Now they're super deflated and I'd, I'd be worried about things. So I'm going to lay off of that Bengals Panthers game. Being at seven and a half, it could be a potential teaser spot to tease the Bengals down. We can talk about that later this week. Chargers, Falcons, a uh, lot of movement towards the over. This line opened at 48. It is up to 49 and a half. We know 48 is a key number, so that's a big movement. Um, and some juice towards the Chargers on the spread. So if you're going to bet this game, I'd bet Chargers. I'd bet the over. I don't have any bets on it. Jaguars, Raiders. Jaguars are plus 1.5 and juiced further beyond the it's minus 115 instead of minus 110. So we are seeing that two might emerge as a key number in the NFL this season, which is why we're seeing changes in the juice before the line moves to plus two. I actually would go to plus one in that sense. Jaguars are a plus 1.5 against the Raiders. Again, this is another look-ahead bet that I gave out last week that I am on for this week. We are seeing the odds change, so the plus 1.5 is slightly more juiced. We are seeing some other books besides FanDuel move this to a plus 1, so I do expect Jaguars to be a plus 1. The Raiders last week, like absolutely abysmal, abysmal, abysmal. I'm glad I was on the look-ahead line for the Jaguars in that spot as they return home from London and look to get a much-needed win. Seahawks versus Cardinals. Seahawks are plus two. They were a plus two and a half a few days ago. So a little bit of Seahawks money coming in and some over money coming in. The over is now pushed up to 50 and a half. Anytime you see that 5-0 on a total, you think, I might play some players in DFS in that game. Um, Rams versus Buccaneers. I am heavy on the Buccaneers this week. I know I did it last week for a unit and a half. I'm doing it again. Another unit and a half on the Buccaneers, minus 2.5. Spread has moved to minus three. It's You can find it at minus 2.5 in some, in some spots. It might be a little bit more juiced. I see it at FanDuel right now. Minus 2.5 is a minus 118 bet instead of a minus 110. I think you could still take that. I really, really like the Buccaneers this week. Again, if Cooper Cup is just banged up at all and the, Raider, the Rams haven't made any trade as of this recording, they just have no weapons in their offense. Buccaneers are actually loaded with weapons, and they just need a better offensive line play. So a little bit scary to say Buccaneers need better offensive line as they go against Aaron, Aaron Donald and co. But at home, I do think the Buccaneers get it done this week. It's actually one of my favorite bets on the week. Buccaneers minus 2.5 is a 1.5 unit bet for myself. No movement on the total there. There is lots of money coming in on the Kansas City Chiefs. This spread opened at 10.5 or 11. It's now all the way out to 12.5. Maybe they're just trying to prevent the Kansas City Chiefs tease. At this point, 12.5, like, I almost want to ride the run-heavy Titans. I'm not going to bet it yet, but I'm looking at it. If that gets to 13, I'm smashing the Titans. No movement on the total in that game. Saints uh, are now a plus 2.5. I have the Saints plus 3. Love that bet. There's so much love and hype for Baltimore right now, but they're, again, Mark Andrews kind of hurt. Bateman definitely out. This team is missing a lot of weapons. 
flip side of that, this might be the week where the Saints get back their weapons. They might get back Landry. They might get back Mike Thomas. So I'm on the Saints plus three at home. I love this bet. It's now at plus 2.5. So is that the spot where you'd look for a money line because you missed the key number? You're getting the flip side of it. Maybe you take the Saints at plus money. I would still take the Saints at plus 2.5 because we are learning this season that two might also be a key number. So that is every uh, NFL game on the slate. Let's go through DFS. As we always do on Tuesdays, we are working through the entire skill position players, everyone priced over 7,000 or the top five in their position. So for quarterback, Josh Allen, 8,500, going against the New York Jets. Buffalo Bills heavily favored in that game. Total's not really moving, but again, that's just because the Jets offense kind of sucks. I think I'm going to be playing Josh Allen this week. It's just too hard not to play him. Uh, We don't have Mahomes on the slate. We don't have Jalen Hurts on the slate. So it seems like Josh Allen is the obvious start for every cash game. That's really my current thought process. Uh, Kyler against Seattle in that game where it's a 50 and a half point total at home. Interesting. Justin Herbert in this game where the total is being hammered towards the over. So Kyler and Justin Herbert's totals are both being really sharp towards the over. So if you were going to go with not a Josh Allen, it's definitely got to be one of those two guys. Uh, Tua is the fourth quarterback against the Bears. No, you just don't want to play a quarterback against such a run-heavy team. And Joe Burrow is the fifth quarterback, but he's playing without Jamar Chase, and they basically just got shut out last game. So also no. So those are the top five quarterbacks. Josh Allen seems like the obvious play. Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert could be two little pivot points where you're also still getting a game sharp towards the under and a potentially elite quarterback. But it is so hard to not play Josh Allen right now. I think that's where I will I will be going. Uh, in the running back space, Eckler is the most expensive running back this week. I think he's also probably a must play. You might be spending up for the two highest players on the board and Josh Allen and Eckler. Uh, Mike Williams is out. Keenan Allen also not practicing early this week. I, he played in week seven. He had the bye to get even healthier in week eight. Come back to the start of week nine, and he's still not practicing. That's a bit of a red flag. So if he's out, if Mike, we know Mike Williams is definitely out. We know this game is being sharp towards the over. That just must mean a lot of work for Eckler. Check down man Herbert thrown Eckler all game. Could Eckler have you know 10-plus receptions? I think pretty easily this game. So love Eckler. Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Lenny Fournette. I am avoiding all of them. Every single one of them. I just don't trust these offenses enough. Dalvin Cook is in a game where we are being sharp towards the under. On the road. In Kirk Cousins, grudge match versus the Commanders. I think Kirk's going to want to throw a bit. Jonathan Taylor against the Patriots. And the Colts offensive line stinks. It's basically like I play for them. Aaron Jones. I mean, he looked good. You know what? I think you could play Aaron Jones. He looked good last game. He got the volume. A.J. Dillon seems to be phased out. And uh, they're going against the Lions. So, worst run D in the league. I take that back. Aaron Jones can be played. I actually think that's sneaky. Josh Jacobs. No, because of the matchup in Jacksonville, in the heat, you get a lot of more rotated players, less snaps when teams are playing in Florida. 
That's something I've always noticed. So I don't really love that. Lenny Fournette, you guys know I love Cornette. So let me send Cornette a nice, strongly worded apology. I'm sorry, Lenny. But the presence of Rashad White has mean I can't really play you right now. I have to wait and see. Uh, going against the Rams in this game, I, I do really like the Buccaneers. I do really think this is a must-win spot for them. I do think Lenny could get you know two bunny touchdowns, but I also think Rashad White still might be involved for like 50% of the snaps, in which case you can't play Fournette. Mixon also, I feel the same. Uh, we can't really back any Cincinnati people with Jamar Chase out of the lineup. I was talking about it for the past few weeks. The reason why the Bengals offense was taking off was because they were getting Jamar Chase to create space all over the field. His reception chart, his routes run chart, was literally like a, a child scribbling on a piece of paper, like going all over the place. He was everywhere to be found. And that simply created so much space for everyone on the team. So without Chase, you saw what happened last night against the Browns. All Cincinnati offense was really hard to back, so I will not be backing them this week. And we will discuss value options on Thursday for running back. It's funny that running back this week, like Lenny Fournette under 7,000, Mixon under 7,000, Swift under 7,000. Like a lot of these guys who are weekly $7,000 players have now dropped below the cut. Uh, I wonder why. Maybe because, like, we've been seeing these running backs who, like, Stevenson or Kenneth Walker who come in because of an injury to Damian Harris or Rashad Penny and absolutely dominate. They're just as valuable as these Fournettes and Mixons guys. Like, Deontay Foreman was a perfect example of that last week. Tony Pollard, perfect example. So we will look for more of those type of guys this week. For wide receivers, Cooper Cup can't play Cooper Cup on a hurt ankle. We do this Tuesday show. Because we know which players are going to be healthy for the stars. We are not backing a star on a bum ankle. Sorry, Coop. I love you. Get healthy. And I'll see you on my team later this season. But it ain't going to be this week. Justin Jefferson also probably avoid. Because that game is sharp towards the under. It's a little bit of a eh. I want to avoid that. But again, you have Kirk Cousins in the revenge spot. And who's he going to target? Justin Jefferson. Tyreek Hill. Going against the run-heavy Chicago Bears, but Tyreek, man, like, this guy is so good. So good. If you play two budget running backs, I think you could look to Tyreek. He's just a slate breaker every week. I don't really care who he's playing against. Stephon Diggs, if you're going to stack with Josh Allen, he's now down to 8,400. That feels like a must-play. Devontae Adams, where are you, man? I didn't see you at all last week, and now you're here. I'll skip over you because you were nowhere to be found last week. DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. I like him a lot this week, 7,900. He's less than all these $8,000 guys. He is an $8,000 wide receiver. He's playing in an offense that peppers him with targets and a game that is a, a point total of 50 and a half. So, yeah, really like Hopkins. The rest of the $7,000 guys, Jamar Chase out Waddle. It's, for me, this feels like a hard week to play Waddle. I like Tyreek. I don't like Waddle this week. And I know it's a coin flip for the Miami receivers, but I just think because you're going against such a run-heavy team, you have to pick one of them, not both of them. And I would go Tyreek. T. Higgins 
if you are going to invest in the Cincinnati offense, that's your guy because he's now the new number one receiver. Uh, I'm going to skip it. Mike Evans. He's probably going to have Ramsey on him this game. I'm going to skip it. We will discuss budget receivers with Willie on Thursday. From this list, I'm looking at Tyreek and Diggs as the and Hopkins as the three receivers as spend ups that I would most target. In the tight end space, I'm going to skip tight end again completely because the number one tight end on the board is Zach Ertz. So it just feels like a sin to be talking about the elite spend up tight ends when I'm going to be mentioning Ertz, Hawkinson, Gerald Everett, and Kyle Pitts. Like, I'm just not doing it. We will have a full uh, tight end value discussion on Thursday. Defenses, um, Bills, Patriots, Bengals, Dolphins, Packers. Those are your top five. Obviously, you got to like the Bills in any week. Patriots going against the Colts. You have to love that. Going against Ellinger. Uh, Bill Belichick is going to give Ellinger some harsh nightmares a week after Halloween. Uh, I like the idea of taking the Vikings against the Commanders. The Commanders are still playing Heineke. Heineke chucks the ball. He throws the ball into dangerous spots. Yeah, he's like kind of better than I expected. I think better than we all expected. But that doesn't mean he doesn't throw the ball into some dangerous situations that might be really good to have the defense on. So in a game sharp towards the under with a backup quarterback who plays a little on edge, I like the Vikings defense quite a bit. And we will discuss value defenses when we come back on Thursday. So to recap, quarterback, it's looking like Josh Allen. Running back, it's looking like Eckler and Aaron Jones. Wide receiver, it's looking like Tyreek Diggs and Hopkins, and tight end, LOL, defense, I'm eyeing the Vikings. Those are the spend-up options on the Week 9 DFS slate. Of course, you will not be able to afford all of those guys. So come back on Thursday's episode for the value options where you can listen to me and Willie break down the slate of DFS value options. Me and Willie are also going to do a futures discussion As we check in, we've now crossed the halfway point of the NFL season, and we are going to check in and say, should we be putting any money into some futures bets? Are there any teams that we want to ride? Are there any teams that we want to fade down the stretch as, you know, we've kind of gotten a full taste of what these teams have in store for us? So that will be Thursday. All right, before I get out of here, the very last thing I want to do is just read and uh, review my bets for week nine so that you have them all in one place. Vikings, money line. Bucks, minus 2.5. Jags, plus 1.5. Saints, plus 3. Finns, Dolphins, minus 4.5. Lions, plus 3.5. Under 43 in the Houston Eagles and over 48 in the Saints versus Baltimore Ravens game. Those are my bets. They are all for one unit except for the Bucks bet. Bucks minus 2.5 is a unit and a half. That's what we got on deck. Let's have another winning week. And as always, peace out.
know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.